Well, Monday night, I was in Waxahachie at District Council. Um, we had service, and I, I felt God was drawing me into his presence. And so I went to the altar area, um, much like the one that's here, just a little bit bigger there at Southwestern Assemblies of God University, and I began to pray. I mean, it's hard to explain if you've never felt it, but kneeling at the steps of the stage, I knew that I was in the presence of God. And unexpectedly, at the end of a long day, I found myself in his presence. I had tears flowing down my face as I worshiped. It was an incredible time with God. Early one morning, I was doing my quiet time at Starbucks. Um, I had my earbuds in with, with, with music playing, and I had my Bible open. Now, listen, when you open a Bible in Starbucks, it gets noticed. And, and I was reading, and I was praying, and I was silently worshiping when I began to sense the presence of God. See, it's an awesome privilege and opportunity to have a, a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father. You can sense and feel and know that you're in the presence of God, not just at, at church, but in an airplane, at a Starbucks, in your office, or, or in your home. You can enjoy the blessings of relationship with Him anytime and anywhere. The reality is I can't imagine my life without God's presence, His peace, and the blessings of God. See, I don't even like to think about trying to, to manage life, to manage emotions, to manage conflict and loss without the presence of God in my life. See, the truth is, I don't want to live one day without Him. Today, I believe that there are three categories of people that are listening today. Some of you are like me. You are passionately in love with Jesus. You're committed to his purpose for your life. And you can't imagine living one day without him. You remember your life before accepting Jesus. You remember what it was like to rely on your, on your own wits to make a difficult decision. You remember the mess that your relationships were in. You remember the stress of basing your self-worth on a moving target of people's opinions and approval. You remember what it was like to have that empty spot in your soul. You remember what it was like to live without his peace, his joy, and his provision in your life. See, you wouldn't go back for anything. You spend time in God's presence, not just on Sundays, but all throughout the week. For you, worship is a way of life. There's a second category of people listening. You don't even know what you're missing. Your life is in crisis and you don't know where to turn. You're hoping to find answers and, and maybe, just maybe, someone who cares. You've tried everything else and maybe it's time to try this God thing. Maybe you, you've wandered into this place or, or you have found the link on Facebook and you're watching online and maybe you're not even sure why. Maybe, maybe someone told you that they would buy you lunch after church or your friend's been driving you crazy asking you to come with them. You've been watching for several months trying to decide what to do. And you've never made the decision to invite Jesus into your life. 
As you watch, listen, and observe, I pray that you will sense and feel a tugging at your heart, that you'll discover the joy, the peace, and a sense of purpose that can only come through a personal relationship with Jesus. See, there's a, there's a third category of people listening. You made a, a decision to follow at some time in your life, maybe a long time ago. You made the decision to follow Jesus. But since then, through your own choices and poor decisions, you've walked away from your relationship with God. Maybe you, you haven't reverted to a life of sin, right? You, made, you might even go through the motions of being a Christian, but you've neglected your relationship with God. See, in your life, there are more important priorities. You haven't had time for God. Regardless of, of how you got there, you are perhaps the most miserable because you know what it's like to experience God. You know what it's like to have his blessings in your life. You had a time where you experienced his joy and his peace, his provision and his protection. And now you live without all of those things. It's a sad thing to see. Someone who was once passionately in love with Jesus, but has lost their way. You watch other people experience the blessings of God. And at some point, you realize you're missing out. You know that you need to find your way back to God. You long for his blessings and his presence in your life. It just seems like a really long road back. It's amazing to me, but often the person doesn't make the connection between walking away from God's presence and all of the bad things happening in their life. In the story that we're going to look at today, David was the new king of Israel. He made that connection. For many years, Jerusalem had experienced the presence of God in the past, but now was going through a very dry and difficult season. The once holy city hadn't been holy for quite a while. The presence of God had departed. See, David's first act of king was, was to liberate Jerusalem and kick the Jebusites out of the capital city. Jerusalem was once again in the right hands, but it was still not the same. David knew that it was time for the presence of God to return to the holy city. Just like the person who has known God and abandoned their relationship, the city desperately needed the presence and the blessings of God again. And so David set out to bring back the presence and the glory of God. It's a fascinating story that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 6, if you'd like to turn to it. If you're living without the presence of God in your life, listen close, because there is a different way to live. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. And David again brought together out of all Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty. You see, in those days there were many gods, but, but everyone knew that there was only one big G, God. All nations knew that the God of Israel, that, that, that people knew that the God that Israel served was great and mighty. 
armies didn't want to go up against the Jehovah God. See, today in our world, once again, there's a lot of little G gods. There's things that people worship. There's imaginary celestial friends who, who's, whose name that people call on for help, for healing and deliverance, only to be answered in silence. You see, our society has, called, has created a lot of so-called routes to a higher power. But you see, there is only one God, and there's only one way to God, and that's through his son, Jesus But Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. You say, well, Jason, that's just too restrictive. The reality is it's not restrictive at all. Because Jesus died for all men. Every soul matters to God. Regardless of your background, your race, your financial condition, how intelligent you are or how beautiful you are or aren't, he died for you. It's not restricted of all. In fact, it's the most inclusive religion of all because anyone can be a part of God's family. And they set the ark of God on a new cart and they brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the cart, the new cart, with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. Now, you need to understand a little bit of history to understand what is happening. It's a bit confusing, but in the Old Testament, God's presence was housed in a box. Where, where the box was, the ark of the covenant was, that was where the presence of God was. So what happened is God mandated that the way for transporting the Ark of the Covenant, it was supposed to be carried. It was an agonizingly slow process. But for David, that process was too slow. Jerusalem was in trouble. Jerusalem needed the presence of God right now. And so since God's way was too slow, David came up with a plan The Philistines, the enemies of God, had moved the stolen ark on a cart. It was much more efficient and quick, and so David decided to do the same thing the Philistines did. In an effort to take control of things himself, David made a pivotal mistake. David decided that God's law didn't apply to him. It was too slow, and it took too much work. So David decided to choose a shortcut. You know, we're sometimes the same way, aren't we? Well, God understands, right? We're in a hurry, right? Prayer is hard, right? Prayer takes time. God, I know what you said, but I just don't have time to pray. Well, tithing costs money. And money's hard to come by. God, I really love you and I want your blessings in my life, but, but I think I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to disobey you in that area. Man, waiting for sex until marriage is so restrictive. I'm sure you had a reason, God, but I just can't wait that long. You mean I'm supposed to be kind to my enemies? I'm supposed to keep my mouth from gossip? 
I'm supposed to respect spiritual authority? I'm supposed to follow all ten commandments? You see, like David, you pick and choose which parts of God's law, which parts of the Bible that you want to follow. Some of them are too difficult. Others take too much time. God's commands are simply inconvenient. Others go against your personality or your preference. And so you casually put them aside, deciding that they must be written for somebody else. You see, it's a unique God concept. You know that God punishes disobedience, but you disobey anyways. You choose to knowingly flaunt his commands and see what happens. Mark it down. Every time you knowingly violate a command of God, trouble is on the way. You might think it's all going to work out okay, but there is a storm cloud in your horizon. You see, David was in a hurry and he took the easy way out. Look out for it. So David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all of their might before the Lord with songs and with harps and lyres and tambourines and sistrums and cymbals. You see, even though David was violating God's command for carrying the ark, the parade began. Can you imagine the sight? 30,000 people were celebrating and they were singing, they were playing music and then just generally going nuts. Because the presence of God was coming back to Jerusalem. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakan, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died right there beside the ark of God. You see, David's sin produced negative consequences. They were in a hurry. They were driving the ark of God to Jerusalem instead of carrying it when they hit a bump. The oxen stumbled and the cart got a little sideways. The ark was about to fall, and no one wanted to see that happen. It would absolutely ruin the parade. And so Uzzah reached out to steady the ark, and in response, God struck him dead. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, that seems a little bit extreme. But God was sending a message to the leader and to the nation. No matter how loud your parade, no matter how good it feels, regardless of what you want, you can't violate God's word. Even if your motives are good, God's laws are unchanging. When you take the easy way out and you ignore God's commands, when you decide that the law doesn't apply to you, inevitably someone gets hurt. You know you're violating his law. You know that you're choosing your way instead of his commands. Still, you wonder why bad things happen. How could God let this happen to me? How can a loving God do something like that? Listen, God's will and desire for you is to follow his commands. 
When you choose not to, you choose discipline instead of blessing. See, that's the part of God that we really don't like to think about. We like to think and relish in the fact that he is a a loving, heavenly father. But just like an earthly father, God disciplines his children for disobedience. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought was best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Listen, if you ignore God's commands, you will experience the discipline of God. And in this case, a loving God saw a nation ignoring his commands. The result was discipline and a clear message, my commands are not to be taken lightly. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Yusa. No surprise. Right? When you disobey God, when you ignore his commands, he removes his hand of blessing and protection from your life. And you begin to endure discipline. And then you blame God and get angry at him when what he said would happen does. And aren't we like little children when it comes to that? I've told my kids countless times, if you do this and you disobey, this will be the punishment. And my kids are crazy. They think I'm playing. I'll never forget, Josiah was about a year and a half, two years old. We were in a restaurant, and he was taking up pieces of a roll and was tearing it apart and dropping it on the ground. We're in a restaurant, you know. How many of us know babies make messes in restaurants, right? But, but man, he was doing it, and he was doing it intentionally. I said, Josiah, if you do it again, I'm going to spank you. That punk grabbed a handful, looked at me. And I did what I said I was going to do. Not because I hate my child. But because I love him, I disciplined his disobedience. And you know what? Six years later, you know what Josiah doesn't do? Drop bread rolls on the ground. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. So David took 30,000 people on a journey to get the ark. It's a major undertaking. He knew that Jerusalem needed the presence of God. But when things went wrong, David abandoned the idea completely. And all 30,000 Israelites hung their heads and trudged home without God's presence. Can you imagine the reception they got when they marched into Jerusalem without out the ark. David was afraid of the judgment and the discipline of God, and so he chose to get as far away 
from the presence of God as he could. Man, I've heard the story over and over again. I was going to church and I was doing okay, but I got busy. Right? I didn't have time for, for a, a life group or, or didn't have time to come to Wednesday night church anymore. It's so hard for me to get there every weekend. I just didn't have time to read my Bible and pray. And then I messed up. Right, I went back to alcohol or drugs. I, I cheated on my spouse. I went back to those old friends. And after that, I simply just couldn't go back to church anymore. What would people say? Even God wouldn't want me there. You see, you fear God's discipline. And you fear other people's disapproval. You fear that, that God may require change. You, you fear... And so you run. At the time in your life when you, need the, when you need the presence of God the most, you abandon you, you abandon the only one that can save you from your mess. Don't make that mistake. Don't let fear keep you from God's presence. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the, the, the Gittite. See, Obed was a, was a Gittite from the, the same place as Goliath. David's plan was to bring back the glory, and instead he left the ark, the presence of God, in Goliath's hometown with a guy named Obed. Now I wonder, what did Obed think? Right, a guy just got, taught, just got killed for touching the ark, and now Obed had it in his house. Man, I guarantee you that Obed put ropes around it to keep his kids away. Can you imagine Obed threatening Obed Jr.? Son, if you, tar- if you touch that ark, I'm not going to kill you. God is. <laughs> Obed could have said, no way, not me. No ark is going to stay here. He could have removed the ark as soon as David left. But instead, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. See, the ark of the covenant, the presence and the glory of God was left in the house of Obed-Edom. And suddenly, good things began to happen. Obed was blessed. His children were blessed. And everyone in his household was blessed. Obed's business took off. Obed was riding the wave of blessing. And Obed knew it was because of the ark, the presence of God. How do we know that? We discovered in another passage, 2 Chronicles 15, that when the ark of God was taken away, Obed moved to Israel. You see, once Obed had experienced the presence and the blessings of God, he was willing to move countries and into the country of his enemies to follow the presence of God. You see, Obed-Edom realized that where the presence of God is, good things happen. You see, when God is in the house, blessings follow. In the presence of God, people are healed. In the presence of God, relationships are restored. In the presence of God, people are delivered In the presence of God, you find peace and joy. 
Listen, throughout the Bible and throughout history and throughout my life, I've discovered this common thread, that where God's presence is, blessings follow. Man, when I was growing up in church, if the doors were open, I was there. Man, I never missed a service. We never left early. It was the way we did it. If church ran late, how many of you guys remember Sunday night services that used to run real late? I remember my aunt leaving me asleep in the back pew while they still were in the presence of God. Why did we do that? Because we didn't want to miss out on the blessings of God. You see, my aunt taught me from an early age, something happens in the presence of God. Only people understood this. If you want to be blessed, get in God's presence. Man, it's a remarkable, unchanging principle. Why has has church attendance in America plateaued? Why is Sunday night still in decline? Why do a lot of churches not even do Sunday nights like ours? Why are people giving less and less time to the church and missing more and more often? I have a theory. We no longer equate our blessings with his presence. Man, we've got it good. We've decided that we can do it without God's presence. Listen, if you travel to a third world with me, they have church for hours. Why? Because there's nowhere else in their life that they can experience that kind of satisfaction and joy. If I start to go past noon, sometimes people get antsy, start looking at their phones and watches. Yet in third world countries, they go long beyond lunch and sometimes past dinner because they crave being in the presence of God. You see, when, when God is in the house, it's time to get ready for his blessings. King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. Now, remember, this was Bible times. There were no cell phones, no iPhones, no iPads, no computers, no, no internet, no television, no radio. There can only be one way that David found out what was going on at Obed-Edom's house. People were talking about it. Word was getting out and around about what God was doing at Obed-Edom's house. Imagine the conversation at the Gath Cracker Barrel. Man, have you checked out Obed-Edom? What in the world is going on over there? Man, have you seen his fields? He's getting more crops than everyone else. His whole family is getting rich. Have you seen that brand new camel his son is driving? I heard that God was with him. That God used to be with Israel. How in the world did Obed-Edom get connected to that God? You see, everything was going right for Obed. Word got around and somebody told David. David knew it doesn't have anything to do with Obed. It's not that he's special. 
He just happens to be where the blessings are in God's presence. It's not Obed, it's God. God's glory is supposed to be here. It's supposed to be in Jerusalem. But I left it with Obed. Now Obed is experiencing all the blessings that we should be experiencing. He's got God in his house. You see, what was true then is true now. God's presence and God's blessings will be known. Other people will recognize God's presence and blessings in your life. Your peace, your joy, your ability to walk through tragedy and sorrow. The financial blessings that you enjoy, the favor that you enjoy with men, people will notice. Why? Because people notice blessed people. So David went down and he brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. You better believe he did. Now, this is a little bit funny to me. David left the ark at Obed-Edom's house because he was afraid. And now when David saw the blessings and the goodness of God at work in Obed's life, David changed his mind and decided it was worth the risk. Suddenly, once again, bringing the ark, the presence of the glory back to Jerusalem was all of a sudden the number one priority for the king. You see, it's interesting to me, though, that David didn't move into the house of Obed-Edom because David knew that it had nothing to do with the place that was about God's presence. How different are people today? If they hear that God is blessing somewhere, they rush off to experience that blessing. Right? We have become blessing chasers instead of presence inviters. Understand, it's not about the place. It's about his presence. Listen, I've been in Pentecostal ministry for a long time. And over the last 18 years, I have seen people chase after evangelists and healers and prophets and, and everything. Why? Because they wanted what they had to offer. I have seen people travel days to go be in the presence of God. How many of you guys remember the Brownsville revival back in the 90s? An incredible move of God like we haven't seen in the last 20, 30 years. And people would drive for days just for a chance to be in the presence of God. Yet what many of us missed was that God wanted to move the same way in our churches all across America. And we relegated God's blessings to Brownsville. And we didn't take them back to, to Arkansas. We didn't take them back to Texas. What would happen if we quit being blessing chasers and became presence inviters? Listen, it's not about a place. It's about his presence. Here's the good news is God's presence is no longer confined to a place or a box. Paul said, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God resides in you. 
You have his presence and his blessings right here with you right now. You don't have to chase blessings. You can house his presence. You see, there are many reasons why people decide not to invite Jesus into their lives. Listen, if you make a decision to ask God for forgiveness and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you get to live in heaven forever instead of hell. Listen, that's a pretty good blessing. That's the kind of blessing that lasts forever. And that should be reason enough to follow him. But there are many other blessings. You see, when you feel alone, Jesus is with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you're in a financial need, God said that he would supply all of your needs. When you're sick, God said you could be healed. When you're struggling with loss, God said he would turn your sorrow into joy. When you're weary, God said he would give you strength. I don't know why you haven't decided to live for God. It might be that you're afraid. But just like David, when you realize that his blessings, that you realize that the blessings of his presence, when you understand what knowing him brings and you overcome fear and you begin to pursue him. Listen, maybe you've been afraid to come back to Jesus to, to re-engage in a personal relationship with him. Look around. Check out your life and the life of those around you who are passionately in love with and following Jesus. You see, when you see God's hand at work in their life, you, you'll be overcome. You'll be able to overcome your fear and make your way back. Listen, You'll do anything to once again to have his presence and his blessings back in your life. See, there's no place that's more miserable than the place where you have chosen to walk away from God. See, through your disobedience and your decisions, you've decided that I can, I can do things on my own and everything's just going to work out fine. But just like David, you'll discover it doesn't. Here's the principle. When you realize the blessings, you will overcome your fear. When you realize the blessings, you will overcome your fear. All of those fears. Well, what will God say? What will people say? Will they accept me? How will I live with that mistake? Everybody knows about my failure. I'm going to be embarrassed. Listen, when you remember the blessings, you can overcome all those fears. You'll say, Lord, I'm here. I'm here with all of my junk. Right? I'm here with all of my mess-ups and my screw-ups. With all of my failures, God, I'm here. And more than anything else, I want your presence inside me. I invite you, Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for you. And I want to specifically pray for you today if it, at one point you had the fullness and the sense of his presence.
and you knew that God was active in your life, and for whatever reason, you walked away. Maybe it wasn't a big, horrible sin that people knew about. You just drifted. And now you know you're living without the presence of God that you once felt. Maybe you did make a monster mistake. And you can't hide and you wonder, how can I get past this? How can I come back to God? How can I come back to church? Listen, it's time to overcome that fear and return to him. I want to pray for you if you would say, Pastor Jason, I'm not where I once was, and I desperately want to be there again. Pray for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Will you do me a favor? If you just raised your hand, would you stand for me? You say, well, what will people think? They're going to think you want to go back to where you used to be with God. You see, but even the fact that you ask that question, what would people think? That's that fear that's standing in front of the blessing of God. Listen, it's time to get past that. Stand up. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that keep you from, from, from God's presence. Now, if there's someone standing near you, will you go stand with them? We're going to pray together. You say, Pastor Jason, why are you doing that? Why are you having people stand? It's because I want you to understand that that fear is irrational. And the same way that God loves you, and welcomes you back, so do we. The people standing with you are going to pray, and I'm going to pray. Let's do that right now. God, we thank you. God, we thank you, number one, that, that men and women, God, have recognized that they don't have your presence in their life like they once did. So God, today we, we, we say with them, God, that they want your presence in your life. God, they're tired of running. They're tired of doing things their own way. God, they want to do it your way and with your presence. God, so today I pray that as they commit to you, God, as they commit to being in your presence, God, that you would be faithful in your promise that your blessings would follow them. God, we pray that because they got in your presence, God, that relationships would be restored. God, that healing would take place. God, that sorrow would be turned to joy. God, we thank you because in your presence there is physical healing.
God, there is emotional healing. There is spiritual healing. God, I pray for some in the room that might have experienced spiritual abuse. God, and on behalf of you today, I just want to say I'm sorry. The pain and the abuse that you felt wasn't godly, and it wasn't by someone who follows Jesus. They might have claimed it, but their actions and their words definitely didn't show it. And today I want to apologize to you. Don't judge us based on someone who claims to follow Jesus. God, I pray over those in here that have experienced that spiritual abuse. God, that maybe it's kept them away from church for years. God, today I pray that you would begin to heal those wounds. God, that you would set them free from from the past abuses. God, so that they can live in your presence. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.